I was a little weak. It's December. You've eaten a lot more candy than you normally do. You've consumed a lot more sugar than you normally do. You should be wide awake and alive, right? How's everybody doing in New for News? Good stuff. Well, good to see you tonight. If you do not know me, my name is Jamie Bell, and I'm the campus pastor out at Williamsburg at our campus for City Life out there in Williamsburg, and uh, just love what God's doing out there and doing here in Newport News. It's always fun to be here uh, tonight and uh, speaking with you guys. We're going to be continuing in our sermon series, Project Hope. If you got your Bibles, you can do Romans chapter 8, as that's where we're going to be. Most of tonight is in Romans chapter 8. So you can go ahead and turn there now, as I do as well. So everybody uh, have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Pretty good? Uh, recently, I, last time I spoke, I asked you guys who likes Thanksgiving more than Christmas. How many of you, when you like Thanksgiving, you extended Thanksgiving out, you're still celebrating, you're still eating turkey, stuffing, all that stuff now? Anybody? That's what I'm talking about. You're my people. All right, we still have plenty of turkey in the fridge. I don't care if it's spoiled, bad, old. I don't care. I'm just going to keep eating it until it's gone. Plenty of stuffing, gravy, mashed potatoes. Just got to keep it going as long as you can. The other day, I made a sandwich. It was awesome. I just said, what did we have for Thanksgiving? Let's put it all between two pieces of bread, right? Mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese, stuffing. I mean, just pile it on there, right? Turkey, green beans, I didn't care. And just put it between two things of bread and just devoured it. It was amazing. It was so good. Love Thanksgiving, but we got the holidays coming up, right? We got uh, that, uh, Christmas coming up here in just a little bit. We had fun last night at our, uh, our uh, joint campus leadership Christmas party. Uh, we call them C2, which is our creating crowd group. And uh, we had fun last night hanging out with them and uh, just enjoying good food, enjoying good times, lots of laughs. And uh, it's always fun just having Christmas parties and getting together. Uh, but it is a tough, tough time of year for me. Um, because I am a food addict. I love food. I don't know why you guys are disappearing, but there you are. Okay, there you go. Um, I love food. I like food a lot, right? And if you've heard me speak, I usually talk about food somewhere in my sermon, whether it's applicable or not, uh, just because I like food. Um, I like to go out to eat with people just because I like to experience food. I feel like you can't get to know a culture unless you eat their food, right? So I like food. Um, But this time of year, it's bad because everywhere you go, there's just food everywhere, right? There's just food, there's candy, right? You go into normal places that normally they don't even care about customer service or welcoming people. But then you go in there this time of year, they got bowls of candy sitting out, right? Candy canes, M&Ms. There's just all kinds of stuff out there. There's free coffee in different places. You go to people's homes, they got candy sitting out. It seems everywhere you go for the next month, you get to eat, right? You guys with me, right? I mean, it's everywhere you go, you get to eat, you get to just enjoy all kinds of good stuff. Starbucks, you can't just go get coffee anymore. Now you got to go get a chestnut praline latte. Have you had that? Dear Lord, that is awesome. You need to go try that thing. So, I mean, I'm just, you just can't do that. So now you're consuming extra calories, this, all this stuff. And so then you got different moments where you're putting on your shirts, right? And they're not buttoning quite right. And then you yell at your wife. You're like, you shrunk my shirt, right? Because it's obviously her. It wasn't me. Um, it's not the calories that I'm taking in. It was Michelle and her uh, poor job at washing clothes. And so... You know, it's just, it's just a difficult time of year, you know, and so the struggle is just real. It's really difficult, you know, to go through and have to deal with this addiction that I have, this problem that I have, but it is real and it is fun. And January comes and as a church, we're going to have to fast. And so it'll be fixed there in January, right? 
So this time of year though, I mean, just thinking about it, just joking around, you know, the struggle can be real, you know, just for, you're just talking about eating and stuff like that. We all know the holiday weight and all that stuff. But this time of year is a difficult year for a lot of people, right? I get the opportunity, I get the pleasure, honestly, to answer the phones at the office um, every single day. And just this time of year, just hearing people call in and just telling me about what's going on in their lives and their stories. And they're just looking for some sense of hope, looking for some sense of just, hey, can you please help me out in some way? Every day, multiple calls, all day long, just hearing different things and just hearing what's going on in people's lives. The struggle is real in their life and people are suffering and they're going through some difficult things and they're in need, desperate need of hope. I know also too, for many of us, even in this service today, a lot of times this time of year, it's easy for us just to kind of like, hey, yeah, life's good, Christmas, woohoo, love it, right? We put on the hat, we drink the extra special eggnog, right? We act like everything's good. And we just go through life and we just smile and we're just happy, right? But there is something inside of us where there's a struggle. And so tonight, as we talk about hope, we're gonna talk about suffering. So Merry Christmas, we're gonna talk about suffering. So we're gonna be in Romans chapter eight tonight. And uh, starting in Romans chapter eight, verse 18, it says this. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who is his children really are. Against its will, all creation is subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Let's pray before we continue on. Father, I have many words, thoughts, and all kinds of things that are in my heart and my mind for tonight. Things that I know that you're even speaking to me, and as I've been diving into this word and diving into this for the church, God, you've been speaking to me profoundly, and so God, I know this is real, and I know this is something you have for us tonight, and I just pray, Lord, that you help me, Lord, just to speak your word with power through your Holy Spirit. God, that tonight our ears will be open. God, our hearts will be open to you. We will receive what you have for us this evening. God, that your word will bring faith. You will strengthen us to live out our lives for you and for your glory. God, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. So as we go through and we look here in, in 18, it says, yet what we suffer now. If you go back to verse 17, it says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory, but if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. That's one of those verses that I could do without, right? It's like if they just wouldn't have done the B part of that verse, that would have been awesome, right? Because it just would have sounded better, felt better, right? If it just went this way. And since we are his children and we are his heirs, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Boom, period. That's awesome. But it goes on. I don't know why it has to do that, but it goes on and it says, but if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Hey, so tonight, like, I, I just, the reality is that suffering is real in this world. There, there is suffering, it is present, there's pain, there's discomfort, there's loss, there's displacement. All of these things are real, they are a reality. I know there's many people that are even in here in service tonight that I know sometimes we come to church and everything can be good, but on the inside, we're here and we're just like, okay, I'm here, 
And God, I just want one reason not to leave that joker that is sitting next to me. Tonight, just give me that one reason, please. Just one more night, I want to make it. God, I just want one more reason why I can go home and just be okay with my family. And there's, there's real struggles and there's real sense of suffering. Maybe tonight you're just like, I hope I can go home and my power is on. Maybe that's a reality for you. But there's suffering. There is things that happen in this world and they're amplified in this time of year. It's something that becomes that much more real to us and, and as we are hanging out with family, come on, let's be honest, right? You hang out with family, there's always suffering, right? Except for my family, mom, it's great. <laughs> but when, you know, it's, it's amplified, it can be increased and, and sometimes it's easy for us to say, Look, let's just put that on the shelf, let's not worry about that. But God's word is profound and it is true and God's word helps us to understand even our sufferings. That this time of year that we can hear other people's desperate stories or we can look at our own desperate stories, that we look at it not with hopelessness, but we can look at it with the hope that is Jesus Christ. And so tonight what I want us to look at as we look at these scriptures is that, that, that suffering is real, but that God has given us a way to suffer and that that suffering can actually help us and shows us to be his children. Because as you look at verse 17, living a life that is perfect and easy and good and all things are well is not what God has in the cards for us. But in fact, going through suffering and going through difficulties and going through struggles is actually what marks us as his children. And so we have to look at suffering not as this thing that we wish we didn't have to deal with, but we have to look at suffering and say, it's a reality, it's present. How do I walk through it as a person following Christ? How does God want me to walk through suffering? Where is hope in the loss and the chaos of this world? And so real quick, what I just want to look at real quick is, is just some things that I think are sources of suffering as you look through scripture, as I look through life, and, and, and these are just three things. There may be more, but here there's the three that I've got. That's just the capacity that I have for you tonight. But here's three things of suffering. Uh, the first one is, 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 and this is, a, this is a good sense of suffering. This is a good sense of, this is something the Bible celebrates is, is that we suffer because of our connection to Christ. Because we're a follower of Christ that somebody persecutes us. They can either come at us emotionally or they can come at us verbally. But when we stand for our faith in Christ that we can suffer because we are Christians. There are people all throughout the world that are currently suffering greatly because of their faith in Christ. Because they won't not renounce their faith, but yet they stand strong in their faith, they're suffering, many even losing their lives. That is a form of suffering that is real and that will continue throughout this world until Jesus comes back and makes it perfect. The other sense of source, uh, the source of suffering is our connection to the human condition. Just the fact that you're a human being, that you're breathing, you have the capacity for intellect and thought, you're sitting in this chair, you are going to suffer because you're a human. Humans are flawed, humans are broken, none of us are perfect, right? And so we're gonna suffer. We're gonna make, we're gonna make decisions that are gonna affect us, and that's the third, the, the third reason for our uh, suffering is bad decisions. Proverbs 19.3 in the message translation put it, puts it this way. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. I love the message translation. <laughs> so why does God always get blamed? A lot of times when we go through life and we look at suffering, you know, we, we ask the question, why am I suffering? Why is the suffering taking place? I think you can look at it and you can compartmentalize it and you can start to evaluate what is going on. 
Sometimes you can look at it and say, you know what? What I'm dealing with and what I'm going through work is is because everybody knows I'm a Christian and nobody wants to know that. Nobody wants me to live that out and nobody wants me to subject them to the reality of Christ. And so there's struggles, there's difficulties that are present because of that. Those are sufferings that are real, they're true, they're present, right? There are sufferings that are gonna be happy just because you're a human, you live in this world, this world is broken, humans are broken, all things are broken, and you're gonna have financial loss, you're gonna have loss of family members, you're gonna have friendships, they're gonna separate, you're gonna have all kinds of things that are gonna happen. You're gonna go to Starbucks and want a salted caramel mocha, and they're not gonna have it because they ran out of salt. Horrible planning. But then you discover the chestnut praline latte and all things are well. I'm not getting paid for that anyways, but I, second time I mentioned it, I felt like I should say that, but suffering is real. A lot of times we go through and we just make bad, stupid decisions, but suffering is a reality, and if, it's, if there's forms of suffering, if there's things that are real, that there's things that, we're, we're, that we could be suffering and going through because of our connection to God or because of just our human condition or because of bad decisions, then how do we process that and how do we look through it tonight? And so tonight, as we look at this scripture, we're going to be jumping in and out of Romans chapter 8. I think there's three things here that we can see that Paul gives us in writing this letter that helps us to process and how to work through our suffering. In Romans chapter 8, verses 18 And going through verse 25, what helps us to understand our suffering and helps us to be able to process the realities of our suffering, the first thing I have for you tonight is that hope gives us a confident expectation of God's fulfilled promises. So as we go through and we look at our suffering and we look at what's happening in our own lives and what's happening in the world, that there's a sense that we should have this understanding, this reality, this hope that is beyond us. It's beyond our circumstances. It's beyond our situations. It is something that goes way beyond even our understanding. That we have this hope, we have this eternal hope that is present within us that goes beyond our circumstances and situations, that it extends into the eternal plans of God And we stand true and we say, God is true to his word. God always fulfills his promises. God never lies. God will always come through just as he said he's gonna come through. And when I read his word and I read his promises in his word, I know these things are true. And if I know these things are true, then my hope, my confidence is not in what I see right now, but it's in what his word says to me. So as we go through and we look at this and we have this eternal hope that is bigger than just a hope of circumstances and situations, then we are able to look beyond what we are in and experiencing to what God has for us. And if we do that, if we live with that sense of hope, then our suffering begins to change and things begin to look differently. Just the stories, you know, a lot of times you hear me speak, I love to tell stories about my kids because I love my kids. I think they're amazing. I think they're better than your kids, just the way it is. Braden today, um, when I was uh, getting ready this morning, we were just talking, and a lot of times we talk on Saturdays just about our schedules for the next week coming up, and, and uh, this, this next week and the week after, they're just a little bit crazy for us. We got a lot of stuff going on um, just here at the church and personal lives. He's got plays and basketball, and she's got birthdays and all kinds of stuff, and there's just other things in there, and so we're just talking about our schedules, and Braden's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
So I'm like only going to see you for like a day next week. And I was like, well, it'll probably be more than that. But yeah, probably like a day. And he's just like, and Braden is like the most sensitive, compassionate little child ever. I love him. I hope he never loses it. But his eyes start tearing up, you know, and they get giant, you know. And he's just like, but dad, I love you. You're the best dad in the world. And I need to see you more than that, you know. And I'm just like, I love you, kid. Don't ever lose this, right? And so I'm just sitting there and he's just talking, you know. And I'm like, listen, dude. It's our reality, right? Here's what's going on. It's not like dad's ignoring you. It's not like dad doesn't want to be around you. It's just a reality. It's what we have to deal with, right? Now, listen, Christmas break's coming up. You're going to be out of school, and here's what my schedule looks like at that point. We're going to have a lot of time together. We can play Mario Kart together. We're going to just go awesome, right? It's going to be fun. We're going to go exploring. We'll do all kinds of different stuff. We're going to terrorize your mom and your sister. It's going to be awesome, right? And he's just like, he's like, okay, right? And so he, he strengthens up and he gets confident because there's something in the future that he can hope for. There's this reality that is there for him that he says, that to me is greater than what I'm experiencing now. So it doesn't, that what he's facing right now, it stirred his emotions, but he didn't allow that to dictate his emotions and his response, right? It's the same thing for us. That as we're going through life, that we can look at what we're going through sometimes and we say, wow, this is difficult. This is not fun. This is a reality that I do not want to face of myself. If I could choose what my day looked like, this is not it, right? And you look at it, though, and you sit there and you say, you know what? It's a reality. This world is broken. It's a bad situation in this world. I made a bad decision. Somebody else made a bad decision, right? There's something that's going on. That is the reality. But I know that if I look at this day differently, if I have a hope that is bigger than this moment, if I look forward and say God's going to do something through this moment, then I'm able to suffer that moment well, but I'm able actually to grow in that moment. So we've got to have this mindset. We've got to have this, 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 this perception shift that looks at our circumstances and our situations, not as everything, but just looks at it as a reality, but then says, God, what are you going to have come from this reality? See, because oftentimes we get caught up in our situations, we get caught up in where we are, and oftentimes it can be really easy to be like, it's just hopeless, right? I mean, we look at some things that are just even going on in the world right now, and it's like, you want to throw your hands up and just be like, how's this ever going to get fixed? It's just a hopeless situation, And it can be easy for us to say that. It can be easy for us in our own personal situations as we're going through our own sufferings, as we're dealing with difficult, painful things. It's easy for us just to be like, it's hopeless. Tonight, what I'm wanting to say to you that hopelessness is not the absence of hope. Hopelessness is displaced expectations. Hope is actually having rightly placed expectations. Listen, if you have this sense that you are here in this world as a follower of Christ, you are a believer of his, that he's protecting you, that he cares for you, that you are his child. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you look at things. It changes the way you talk about things. It changes your present reality, and it helps you to live differently. You are able to have hope in hopeless situations. You look at situations that could otherwise just destroy somebody and you can stand tall at it and say, it's a reality. It's here, it's present, but one day it's gonna be different. 
One day it's gonna be different. This isn't what defines me. What defines me is my relationship with God. What defines me is, is that I'm a son of the living God, that I'm a daughter of the living God. That's what defines me, not this. And so as we're going through and we're suffering and we're dealing with these things, we have to understand that it's not our opinions that need to be heard. It's not our realities that need to be expressed. It's not our feelings that need to be nurtured and cared for. All those things could be true. It's not about what you have and what you don't have. It's not about the person who's failed you once again. What you are going through and what you're dealing with is a broken situation. But your hope is not in a person. Your hope is in not a new car. Right? Because you're like, if I just get a new car, it would just fix everything. Listen, you get a new car, right? There's gonna be new problems. There'll be new payments, new issues, right? You're just like, oh, if I get a brand new car, though. This brand new car's got brand new computers in them that a lot of mechanics don't know how to work on. They're just like, yeah, that's a lot of money, right? That's a new problem. Your hope is not a new car. Your hope is not a new job. Your hope is Jesus. If we have an expectation that is not placed in the things of this world, but an expectation that God has given us a promise that he will be with us here and now, that he will care for us here and now, he will love us here and now, but ultimately one day that we will be with him, perfect, spotless, without blame, without pain, without shame, without any of those things, we will be with him. That's the hope that we hold to. When you have that expectant hope of the world that is to come through Christ and all that is a promise to us, you're here and now, it looks different, it's shaped different, everything is different for you. Philippians chapter two, verse 14, it says, do everything without complaining and arguing. That really describes the church, doesn't it? <laughs> verse 15, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Listen, my job in this world is to hold firmly to the world of life. It's a dark world, it's a broken world. My job is to go out in this world and not try to get everybody to hear my opinions. My job is to go and tell people of the love of Jesus Christ. That's my job. When I'm in a hopeless situation, when I'm in a difficult, trying, suffering moment, it's not a moment for me to be like, why God? It's a moment for me to say, what's next, God? It's not a moment for me to say, look at me, wish somebody would come and help me. It's a moment for me to say, God, what do you have for me? What do you wanna do for me? God, what do you have for that person? How can I help for that person? Listen, our job as Christians is to go into the world where there is conflict and hostility, we are to bring peace. When we go into the world and there's injustice, we're to bring mercy. When we go into the world and we see brokenness, we are to bring grace. That is our job as followers of Christ. As his children, that is our role, that is our responsibility. So what happens is, is sometimes, I spend a lot more time on this point than I thought I was going to, but it's good, hopefully you like it. Just real quick, I think there's two things that can happen that can help us, that causes us to displace our hope. We, we take our hope and we put it in, in something that is temporary instead of something that's eternal. The two things that I think that can happen is, is the first one is we find enjoyment and was provisional, we become unfulfilled in that which is promised. Those things that are just meant for our needs and our well-being, those things that God lavishes on us and gives us exceptionally, those blessings that he gives us, we take those things and we take those provisional realities and we make them what fulfills us. 
and the promise, the eternal promise of Christ that no longer fulfills us, that no longer captures us. And what happens is, is that we get in this place where we just say, okay, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and if I could just have, and if I could just have, and I could just have, and oh, I got this, but if I could just keep. And we start losing ourselves, and we start displacing our hope, and we start placing it in something that is temporary, and we don't live with this expectation of what he has for us in eternity. The second way is, is that we overemphasize the obstacle instead of realizing the opportunity. Darren Patrick, after, he, after I came up with this, I read his tweet the other day, and I was like, this is so awesome. He said, opportunities rarely look and feel like opportunities. They mostly resemble obstacles. Man, one of the things that I had was that I was just praying for this weekend. What I want to speak to the church this weekend is, is I think a lot of times as a church, we get into places, a lot of times followers of Christ, we get into a place where we're suffering, we feel tied, we feel strapped, we feel difficult, we feel pressure, we feel angry, we feel frustration, we feel these things. And in those places, what we're doing is we're just looking for relief. We're looking for some way to get beyond the obstacle that's in front of us. The thing that's causing that issue, that thing that's causing that discomfort, we're just, we, I want to get around it. But maybe God put that obstacle in front of you because that obstacle is something that you're supposed to remove in this world. You're maybe somebody who's supposed to speak to that obstacle in somebody else's life. Maybe somebody else is dealing with that and they don't know the reality and the hope of Jesus Christ and they're going through that. Maybe you're going through that so that you can come and speak grace into their situation like nobody else can. Sometimes we look at obstacles and we say, God, remove this obstacle and God's saying, I'm not gonna remove it. And we're like, why, God, why? And we start throwing a fit, right? Like my five-year-old daughter, right? And we just start just going crazy. I just wanna get it out. I just wanna get it out. But instead, God's saying, no, it's there. It's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. I want you to know something about me. I want you to learn something about yourself. That obstacle is not an obstacle. It's an opportunity, And maybe if we would stop saying, God, remove this obstacle, maybe if we started praying, God, what is your opportunity, we would start discovering what God has for us in this life. And finding fulfillment in that expectant hope is gonna be that much easier because you're doing the things that he has for you instead of trying to do the things that you have for yourself. So, secondly. Paul shows us his we go through Romans chapter eight here. How do we deal with suffering? We have this expectant hope. This eager hope, this passionate hope. Secondly, he gives us a prayer. He gives us a prayer. Firstly, I'm not gonna go long into this one. I wish I could, but I don't have time tonight is he gives us an articulate prayer. As believers in Christ, we must, we have to be disciplined and committed to taking time in prayer, in communion, in conversation with our Heavenly Father. It's not an option. It's not something that's on the table if we just maybe need to or if things are really desperate and I just got a flat tire on the 64. That's not just the moments of prayer. God wants to be in communion with you. He wants to be in relationship and have conversation with you. I'm able to have the relationship with my children because I talk with them and they talk with me. It's never been a rule in our house. My children know they will get in trouble if, I, if they come home from school and I say, hey, Braden, what happened today? He's like, I don't even know. 
right? How many of you ever, parents, you ask that, right? You're just like, hey, what happened today? I don't know. What'd you learn in math? Nothing, you know? Not an option in our house. It's just not, right? Because if those means of communication start to break down, I'm gonna know them less and less, and they're gonna know me less and less. I'm gonna have less of an ability to speak into every situation of their life the farther and further we get apart. Conversations matter. If I don't understand what Ryland's dealing with, but I listen to her talk about it, it helps me to be able to at some point have a place to speak into her life when I do understand what's going on, when she needs to hear from me. Prayer matters. A lot of times we can get in a place where you say, I just don't know what to pray, I don't know what's going on to pray, and it has a lot more to do with discipline, a lack of discipline, and it has a lot more to do with a lack of concern that it has to do with whether or not you actually have something to pray about. As a follower of Christ, you always have something to pray about. You should be getting lost in your time praying with God. Yes, sometimes it's hard. It is a discipline, but it is at the same time something that if you give effort to and you give energy to, it's something that is rewarding, it's fulfilling, and it becomes easier and easier. After 11 years, almost 12 years of being with Michelle, our communication is way easier than it was at the beginning. But if I looked at it and just said, it doesn't click, it doesn't work, then maybe we've never been together or we just have a poor marriage. We have an amazing marriage now and communication is easy. We argue for like two minutes now versus the 35 minutes or an hour or five or six or 17 days that we used to, right? <laughs> because it's different because what? We put forth effort. It's the same thing with God. Okay, I gotta move on. So hope gives us a prayer, an articulate prayer, but it also gives us an incomprehensible prayer. Read this in verse 26. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed with words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Listen, this is an amazing verse that we, as you go through and we read here in a moment, we'll even see we have Jesus sitting at the right hand of God interceding for us saying, that is your child. Hey, that person right there, he is yours. She is yours. That, 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 there's no mistakes. They're perfect. They're awesome. They're blem there's no blemishes there. That is your child that you love, that you delight in, that you want to provide for, that you want to care for, that you want to extend your grace and your mercy to. That's who that is right there. That's what Jesus is up there doing at the right hand of God. And the Holy Spirit is inside of us interceding, taking even the things that we don't understand to God. That we have two people interceding for us, caring for us. The Holy Spirit literally takes our sighs, our groans, the things that we don't know what to say. In those moments that we're suffering, we're going through hardships, and we just don't even know how to speak it to somebody else. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but there's moments and there's times where you're just going through something, and you literally just don't even know what to say. And so you try to start a sentence 13 times, and you never say anything, right? Have you ever been there? I just, if you could just, right? And you just go through, and you just start and stop. You just don't even know what to say. We have those moments with God where we're saying, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what I'm going through. I don't understand why this is here. I don't know what's taking place. But instead of sitting there and looking at it and saying, I'm just not going to pray about it. I'm just going to wait and see if God's going to do something about it. That even in our suffering, even in our struggling with it, and our understanding is so limited that we can't even speak to it anymore because the pain is so heavy that even our breath means something, and it's a prayer that is lifted up to God. 
That is how much God cares for us. That is how much God is there with us. That even in the worst of moments, when you can't even speak because the pain is so much, God will carry your very thoughts and groans. And he will hear them. He will receive them as prayers that are made on your behalf. It's powerful stuff. Go on, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them glory. Message translation puts this verse this way. It says, he does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and aching groans. Prayer is so important because in our prayer, we find patience. We find patience. We can get restless and frustrated with our circumstances and the things that are happening when we refuse to take them to God. But when we go to God and we pray and we're just like, I don't even know what to pray. I'm just gonna put on worship music and I'm just gonna pace right now. And we just do that and then we come back and we're like, okay, do I have something to pray? No, I don't, right? And you're just walking around. You don't know what to deal with it, right? And you're just like, okay, I just spent 30 minutes and I didn't say anything. Guess what? You just said a whole bunch to God, right? And that's good stuff right there. But on top of that, as you do that, as you willingly take those things to God, you find patience in your prayer. See, hope accepts the reality of our circumstances, but it expects something greater than the seen outcome. If you have a hope, if you have a hope in Jesus Christ, you don't just look at it and say, this is what is here, and this is what's going on, and I've got to figure out how to deal with it, or I'm just going to sit in it. When you have a hope in Christ, you see the present reality, you understand it, you accept it, this is what it is. I made a stupid decision, I understand that, I accept that. I am here in it now, but you see something greater, you see an outcome greater than what you can currently experience or expect for yourself. That is what hope is, and when you take your stuff to God, and when you ask God to be with you and to pray, and, and you say, God, I, I just, I, I just, take this to you. God, I need something done with this. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what I want. You just take it to God. God begins to work in you. One of the big things that we see in scripture is even in Acts chapter 4, see Peter being persecuted and, and, and he's imprisoned and, and there's all kinds of stuff going on in Acts chapter 4. The church begins to pray. One of the things that's amazing to me is, is the church doesn't start to pray for God to change the circumstances. God doesn't go, or the, the church doesn't go through and say, hey, listen, if, if the people in the Sanhedrin would just get diarrhea, right, and just like not even be there anymore, we could just like sneak them out of the prison, then we'll just know that you're with us. That'd be awesome, right? Like that's not their prayer, right? Their prayer is, God, in this moment, give us boldness. That's their prayer. Listen, if you don't know what to pray, if you don't know what to say, you just take it to God. The heaviness of your heart, the size of your breath are a prayer to him. And if you go to God in those moments, you will find peace, you will find patience, you will find God just beginning to do something in you and shaping you and working in you. And then you get to yourself to a place where you don't say, God, why is this happening? But you ask God, what do you have for me now? God, give me boldness. God, in this circumstances, change me. See, if we move from God change the circumstance to God in this circumstance change me. 
then we begin to experience God's grace, his goodness, and his mercy. And guess what? As you continue on in this verse, we begin to come more and more like his son, which is his goal for us, which is his intention for us, which is his hope is that we be like Jesus, live like Jesus, and hope like Jesus. And we go through this world living differently, hoping differently, expecting differently, because he helps us in our weakness. Fourthly, Hope secures us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say about our wonderful, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. One of my favorite commentators says this, if God is not against you, neither can his son be, or his spirit, or the angels. They actually rejoice at our good and minister to us and guard us. God's law cannot be against us because it was fulfilled in Christ. Justice has been satisfied and all its demands answered. And though there were, I'm doing really good at reading tonight. Amy, I think I need to come see you soon here. Glasses are struggling. That's what I'm gonna blame it on, right? Some who may be against them Let me go back. Justice has been satisfied and all its demands answered. And though there may be some who may be against them and oppose themselves to them, their opposition is to no purpose. They will never prevail over them. Their ruin will never come and their destruction will never be seen as neither sin nor Satan nor the world nor death itself. Listen, if God is for you, think of all the things in the world that just because God is God they have to be for you as well. And the things that are against you, there's nothing they can do. They can try as they may, they can do what they want to, but you are secure in Christ if you are his child. So suffering's real. It's something we deal with. It's something that's present in this world. This world is broken, this world is falling apart. We are not gonna go through this life just saying, yes, this was awesome. We're gonna go through this moment and we're gonna say, yeah, there was awesome moments, but there was really painful and just difficult, disgusting moments that happened as well. But as we live our life with the hope in Christ, those are not what define us. Those are not what shape us. What shapes us is our hope in Christ, what he has for us. Because of him and who he is and what he's done for us, we are now his children. And so we hold on to this hope that says, I am right with God, I am his child, and he's gonna care for me now, and one day he's gonna have me in his presence where I'm never gonna have to worry, fear, or be disguised, or be hidden, or in shame, or pain ever again. I'm gonna be with him forever and ever. That is our hope. And when we hold that hope real, when we hold that place true, and we look to him and we say, God, you are a hope, he keeps us and secures us. So as we go through tonight, I want the worship team to go ahead and come up. We're gonna take some time in communion. I'm gonna reread 
Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. Again, in the message translation. See, in our sufferings, it's important for us to take them to God and to talk with God and to share with him what's going on. See, if we have this expectant hope, we run to our Father instead of running from our Father. If we know what he has for us in eternity, then the things that are facing us now, we understand them to be temporary things. And if the things of this world are just temporary, then we cannot find fulfillment in them, we cannot find enjoyment in them, know how much matter we can accumulate. Same is true. If they're just temporary, they can't fulfill us, then no matter how much we lose of the things of this world, they cannot destroy us. They cannot bring us down. They can't empty us because there's something in us that is so much bigger. There's something in us that is so much more real. What I just feel like tonight is, is that there's people in here tonight that instead of running to God, you've been running from God. And maybe it's unintentional on your part. Maybe you're not like, I'm, I'm just, I don't even care. I'm just trying to run from God. You're just, I, I'm trying to do this Christian thing the best I know how, and I care about God, and I care about the things of God. But you're not taking these things that you're going through and dealing with to Him. Maybe at best you're taking them to somebody else in the church, but maybe you're just keeping them to yourself and you're just isolating yourself more and more and more. Listen, God cares about where you are. God cares about who you are. God cares about what you're going through. And in every area, in every situation, there is a hope and that hope is Jesus Christ. Hopelessness is not the result of a lost car or a broken marriage. Hopelessness, being hopeless, it's a result of sin. And when you place your expectations in the things of this world to give you hope, you find yourself displaced and lost, discouraged and empty. If you're a follower of Christ, that's not what God has for you. That's not what he wants for you. So yeah, we're talking about suffering during Christmas, but during this season, during this time, I've also found that as much as there is suffering, that people more and more are more open to the gospel this time of year than they are any other time of the year. Because they understand in searching for things, it's never produced the result they've needed in the past. And I believe just the mere mention of Christ brings true light into their situation and they may just grab a glimpse of who he is. And there's a sense of hope. There's a sense of, ah, oh, if I could just have. And you're here tonight, and you've had a situation, and you've been running from God. I'm just encouraging you to run to God. Take your issues to him. You don't have to know the words. You don't have to know the way. You don't have to have some special dance. Just go to God. He's your father. He loves you. He wants to embrace you, and he wants to hear you. Secondly, is that God in our sufferings, in our situations, in our lives, the good and the bad, the ugly, the awesome, God is shaping us. And when we go to him and we take our stuff to him, 
And we say, God, I'm not finding hope in the things of this world. God, I'm finding hope in you. That he's shaping us to be like his son. And that is a process and that is a journey. That is his desire, that is his hope for us. In Romans chapter 29, verse 30, in the message translation, it says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of a son. The son stands first in line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. God's hope for you is that you know him, that you walk in a relationship with him that is real, that is present, one that is so real, so powerful, and so present in your life that you can't get away from it, that you can't get around it. God wants to be so in your face, in your situations going on, that there's not a thought that escapes you. There's not a thing that goes around God, but everything comes to Him. And then when you find yourself in that place that you're walking in peace, you're walking in patience, you find yourself not looking at obstacles, but you find yourself looking at opportunities. You don't find yourself looking at things broken down, frustrating, and discouraged, but instead you look at yourself and you look at your situation and you say, there's something else that God has for me. There's something that God wants to do in this situation. There's a way that He wants to shape me. There's something he wants to strengthen me in. There's something he wants to change in me. There's something he wants to get rid of. There's something that he's got to take out of me. There's something he wants to put in me because this person over here needs it. That is the life of hope that God has for us. And so my saying, my thought, my, my prayer for you tonight is, is if you're suffering, don't push it down. Don't hide it. Don't ignore it. Don't say it's just me. No, it's all of us. We're in a broken world and we're broken people. We all need Jesus. It's a sin problem. So tonight, maybe for the first time or maybe just again, each and every one of us as we come and partake of the elements, let's grab a hold of this expectant hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This hope that says this world is temporary, but God is forever. That he is there calling us by name and he's walking with us now and that he's gonna be with us until this thing is finished and we are with him in heaven, perfect, standing there, singing God's praises, walking in heaven, enjoying his goodness and all that he is. Experiencing the most amazing worship, experiencing the most amazing food, being in God's presence. That is our hope that forever and always, we are now and forever will be his children because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So if you will stand with me, I'm gonna pray. As we take time to worship and as we take time to sing these songs, Come up here and you can take part of the elements whenever you feel led and ready to come up here. You can take them back to your seat. You can take them as a family, take them as an individual. We've got people on the side over here that are here to pray with you. Maybe your suffering is something that's so real and so present for you that you're not supposed to carry it alone. In scripture, we 
come together and we're supposed to pray together. In James chapter five, it talks about if we're sick, that we come to the elders and that God will heal us and make us well. If that's you tonight, why don't you come forward and take part of this communion and say, Jesus, you are my everything. The suffering is not. Declare the gospel to be true in your life tonight. If you don't know who Jesus is, you've never had a relationship with Jesus. You say, I'm just absolutely hopeless. I'm at loss. I need this understanding of hope. I need to be right with God. If this is what you're saying, the answer is, I need to know it. Then you can come and talk to me or Pastor Fred or Vanessa, or if they're open on the side, come and talk to them. We ask this as you take in the elements that you just find somewhere in your life, somewhere in your story that you said, hey, I just wanna make a vow of devotion to Jesus, that you're not a member of this church, but you are a member of God's church because you are his child. I just wanna encourage you to come and take these elements and take a moment, just reflect on who God is, what he's done for you and reestablish him as the hope of your life. So God, we just thank you for who you are tonight. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you that you know us by name, that you know our situations, you know our realities, you know the things that are present. God, you know our heartaches, you know our sufferings. God, you've heard us lifting up our sighs. God, you've heard all of those things. You know where we are. You know what we need in this moment. So God, I pray that you will speak to us each now. God, as we take part of this communion, God, that we truly remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. That as he was making his way to the cross, that his body was broken so that we could be made whole. That his blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. That he died a death that we deserved so that we could have a life that only he could give us. And he raised from the dead and he's sitting at your right hand and he's interceding for us. And him and the Holy Spirit and you are working together to shape us and make us and mold us into the person that you want us to be so that in this life, in this world, we can be a light for your glory. We can be a beacon of hope in a dark world. So God, tonight, speak to us. Allow your word to permeate in our hearts and faith to be built up so that we can go in boldness and live a life of hope. In the name of Jesus.